and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we are your co-hosts. So today I'm covering a plant that very well may be responsible for elephants never forgetting, go to cola. And I'm also going to introduce you formally to the Oracle at Delphi. Oh my God, she's making introductions. Oh yeah. Love it. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about scrying, um, which is going to be kind of like a, a general overview. I also have a, some fun show and tell stuff for today. So, Ooh, yeah. show and tell. Show and tell, but Love. you'll only get to see if you're on the Patreon. Otherwise, Ooh. you'll just have to listen to me talking about stuff that you can't even, you can't even see it, so... Well, I also have a little bit of show and tell, so let's just get into it because I think go-to cola is probably a plant that most people aren't super familiar with, but it's a really big deal in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. This is what it looks like. It's very cute, tiny little cup leaves. So in the Himalayas, go-to cola is considered to be one of the most spiritual herbs like in the world, in existence, and it's used as a meditation aid by yogis. And when I say yogis, I mean actual yogis, not white ladies in Lululemon. <laughs> so it's a very big deal. The Latin name for the plant is Centella Asiatica, and it's a flowering herbaceous perennial in the Apiaceae family. So that's the, the parsley family where you also find like carrots and things like that. Um, it is native to Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent, and the wetland areas of the southeastern U.S. Oh. And yeah, and you'll uh, there's a little U.S. growing hint for you later, Nick. Um, but in the Sri Lankan Senegalese language, gotukola actually means cup shaped cup, cup shaped leaf. Um, it's a little early, so I'm still like waking up everyone. Uh, but my favorite thing is in Spanish, it's referred to as sombrerito. Oh, little little sombrero. Little sombrero. It's so cute. Uh, but in Sri Lanka, it's common knowledge that elephants love to eat go-to cola. And they, of course, have a reputation for long life and excellent memory, right? Elephants never forget. So, eh, eh. But for commercial use, go-to cola is cultivated in Sri Lanka, India, Hawaii, and Texas. Oh, shout out to the Lone Star State. Oh, that's right. So, go-to cola, all of elephants is actually the super heavy hitter for cognitive health so you know we can't say that's why elephants never forget but we can't say it's not why they never forget so i'm gonna give them credit for it this plant has ancient roots though like super ancient it's actually recorded in the chinese shenong herba which was uh created in the first to second century ce and in tcm this plant is sometimes referred to as the fountain of life because there's a Chinese legend that an herbalist ate go-to cola every day and lived for more than 200 years. So kind of a big deal. The plants are real cutie though. These like, it has these like super tiny, small, like green leaves. They're slightly serrated on the edges and they're of course like kind of cupped. You can kind of see that a little bit in the picture. And the flowers are super tiny. They're like white purplish, kind of like that, like, white but with like a hint of lavender and even if the plants in full bloom though like it's super easy to miss the flowers because you know the leaves are so much bigger than them if you want to grow it at home though you just need to make sure that it never gets dry which i know is like 
pretty different from most of the plants we've talked about. And if it does get a little bit dry and you catch it quick enough, you can potentially rehydrate it, but you really do have to like catch it like as soon as it starts drying out. Like this plant does not like to get dry. It needs like extremely rich soil where it grows out as a creeping ground cover. And the heat can bring out more adaptogens, which is why it's great in places like Hawaii and Texas. Um, but it can tolerate slightly cooler temps if you can't provide the heat. Overall, though, it can adapt to quite a bit of variety. Like it'll do just fine being grown in a container, indoors, even full sun. Um, one of the books that I use a lot, which is Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies, the woman who wrote it talks about growing it in hanging baskets so she can like move them in and out when the winters come. So you just have to make sure if they're in hanging baskets, though, to keep an extra close eye on them for drying out because hanging baskets do tend to dry out faster than pots on the ground. But also for any of you that have like, you know, a koi pond or even just like an aquarium where you grow aquatic plants, you can actually grow goto cola in water and the leaves will kind of like spread out and float and look super cute. And you know, I've actually um, recently gotten into one of those YouTube channels where the dude makes, um, just like really cool aquariums and terrariums and stuff and grows so many cool aquatic plants. Like actually it's very fascinating stuff, but yeah, so aesthetic. Like he even has, has some tanks where it's like, he doesn't have fish in them. Like he just kind of does landscaping. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big deal. Aquatic plants are cool. And I mean, this is like kind of a, a tangent, but like Pro tip, if you're into plants, like a lot of times aquarium shops online will have really cute like miniature plants, like even if you don't want them for an aquarium. So like one time I got these pink syngonium that were literally like two inches tall. They were like these tiny cute baby plants. So if you wanted to do like a super precious like tiny plant window ledge or something in your house, like aquarium plant stores are the way to go. But this one is really, the best way to grow it if you're not going to do it in an aquarium is actually to just pot it up in 100% compost and water it every day. So it needs like seriously, seriously rich soil. And again, the flowers are super tiny and they're not very showy. And apparently the seeds have a very, very low germination rate. So that's not going to be how you're going to propagate it. It spreads via runners like mints. So you're going to really be like doing some dividing. That's going to be the best bet. But we know this is the fountain of life that you can potentially grow in a fountain. Uh, so what are the herbal properties of this guy? So disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please consult with your doctor before starting on an herbal remagen. We are not doctors. There we go. Not still not doctors. I'm like, I feel like we need to just record that at some point so we can just like drop it in and be done. Um, <laughs> so if you want to think about the doctrine of signatures though, which remember is where the shape of the plant or the location that it grows can tell you what the plant is useful for treating. The shape of the leaves is actually really similar to a cerebellum, which gives you a strong hint about its proclivity for cognitive support. So it is a nervine, it's extremely calming. And in Ayurveda, this is actually considered one of the most important rejuvenating herbs. So in this school of medicine, it's a very common tonic for the elderly to help do things like increase memory and decrease senility and even help like increase longevity, like length of life. And it's cooling to neutral. And it's also said to balance all constitutional types and doshas. So like goto cola is really, really important in Ayurveda. And it's also pretty effective sort of across body systems. You know, in Ayurveda, they use it to balance all constitutional types and doshas. 
well, even in Western herbalism, it's really effective kind of all over the body. It has an affinity for most tissues, but especially for things like the blood, marrow, your nerves, and your circulatory and digestive systems. But like, that's a lot of the body. <laughs> that's, that's like- Yeah, that's quite a bit of it. That's most of the body. Uh, it is also slightly drying though, which is kind of cool because it can reduce like adipose tissue that retains toxins. So that in combination with its uh, strong effects on the nervous system actually makes go to cola a good choice to help address drug withdrawal. So that's, I think, something really exciting that you that the plant could be used for. And go to cola is one of those herbs where there's been a lot more clinical research on it. And it's like chemical constituents. So you can find all sorts of like good, you know, peer reviewed studies online with this one. But the main indications for it in an herbal practice are things like ADHD, anxiety, healing nerve injuries, and circulatory is issues, things like varicose veins. Um, but you can also use it topically for things like hemorrhoids and even healing scars. And it's said to be a great choice for gum health. So the thing that I want to do with this is right now I use this uh, mouthwash that's made with myrrh and clove, and it's really good for the gums, but I want to add in like a tincture of go-to cola for that because Eric is really prone to like bleeding gums. Like that's just one of the things that they deal with is like gum health issues because it's just genetic for some people and it has to do with like the balance of bacteria in your mouth. I would, I would say I definitely like struggle with that as well. And I have probably tried almost every branded toothpaste for it even. Yeah. And I, I do, I do find that like mouthwash like the mouthwash for it does help a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving this idea with the go-to cola as well. Because literally like my ears perked up when you were like gum health. I'm like, oh, hello, gum health. actually. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I will report back because we want to go get some of this and try it for, for gums um, in particular. But this is one just like, we've talked about this with herbalism before, but you have to take it over an extended period of time. And it can take a few months for you to start seeing effects. Because remember, herbs are not individual constituents, they're whole plant material. So it's not like taking an over the counter Advil, but it's really good for things that are like, it's really good for like a long term plant because the greens are edible as well. So of course, you can make like teas and tinctures, you know, if you want to do a tea, it's like a teaspoon of dried herb per cup, the tinctures are like 95% alcohol, if you're using fresh plant material 50 to 60% for dried plant material. But even outside of those like more traditional herbal preparations, you can eat the greens. So like you can add a bunch of it to smoothies. You could even add the greens to like salads. They're not super tasty on their own. They're like very slightly bitter, but really I think most people are gonna feel like they're kind of bland, but they're excellent in combination with something like mint. So they can really be added to a salad just for like the health and the nutrition benefits and then dress it up with other tastier greens. Like, I love the idea of doing like a go-to cola, mint, and like arugula salad. I was with... literally gonna say arugula. I'm yeah. obsessed with arugula. Same, oh my God. I eat so much arugula or rocket, which I think is such a cool name for arugula. Um, I do have to say for anyone that's maybe familiar with some of the write-ups that maybe link this to like cancer and liver damage, I have to say they're really unfounded. So. The liver damage reports kind of like the issue we had with skullcap where it was showing up like adulterated in some stuff mm -hmm. where it was like being mixed with other things. The the liver damage issues are because go to cola was included in weight loss drugs in Argentina. 
but it was adulterated gotu cola. So it was like mixed with other herbs that do cause liver damage. And the cancer claims seem to be like completely unfounded. And there are even some studies that indicate that it can have anti-cancer effects. So I just want to like put that out there in case anybody was like, oh, but I read this article one time. I mean, of course, continue to do your own research, but uh, everything that I have found in all of like the different herbal, like herbalist schools and things all seem to kind of refute that. And I find herbalism is a pretty open field. It's not like people are going to be defending something just to defend it. So, but magic, let's talk about magic, shall we? So Gotu Cola is associated with the planet Saturn, the earth element, the astrological sign Capricorn, and the deities Cronus and Saturn. So you may have guessed already from the yogi usage that this plant is going to get you into like a magical headspace, right? Like it's really great to burn as incense before you meditate or before scrying. And the plant is said to help like clear your mind and increase your ability to concentrate and particular because it's very popular in like Eastern practices, it's said to help develop your crown chakra. So that it all makes sense. It's all like really tied back to the cognitive effects that the plant has. And once again, I do have to say it's like as a strong anti-anxiety herb, which you guys know, I have like this very like pronounced theory that anti-anxiety herbs are good at things like divination and meditation because it helps you like get out of your own way. So of course, though, the the anti-anxiety side of it, I think makes it a great choice for people who like tend to get in their heads during uh, meditation or magical work. But I also think because it's so healing and balancing and has that added anti-anxiety effect, I think this could be a good tonic for a witch that maybe is dealing with some trauma or dealing with like overcoming some emotional issues. Um, and I'm like very much myself included because I, I love herbs like this that you can use over a long period of time without worrying about buildup because we all know, right? That like anxiety, trauma, things like that can really get in the way of our magic. And, you know, if you're doing like, shadow work or coming through like a trauma i think go to cola is going to be great for you um of course the psychic powers do make this an excellent candidate for a sleep sachet especially if you're working yeah. on dream magic yeah. like yeah like, check that off we'll, on your we'll, bingo we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about dream magic later on actually so yeah right um and because the flowers though are really inconspicuous if you want to work with like the flower power of it oh my god so cheesy but i'd suggest doing like a flower essence right so with the ties to capricorn and its historical uses especially in india to like help you find truth and like connect to supreme reality I think a flower essence here would be a really great way to like help you sort of like ground yourself in who you are and to identify like what your purpose in life is. You know, I think that that connection to supreme reality, it's like, are you trying to figure out what the next step is in your life? Well, go to cola might be a good plant to work with. And obviously I think you can make an essence under a Capricorn moon, but because of like the themes around like purpose and connection to reality and like direction in life. I also think Sagittarius could be a good moon to do this under. I'm kind of getting some Sagittarian vibes from the magic work that you could do with it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's actually all I have for this plant today. So my sources were Wikipedia, um, the herbarium monograph, herbalgram.org, wingsinthenight.co.uk, and grow your own herbal remedies by Maria Noel Groves cute right i love her she's cute go, this where, is yeah, cute go to cola uh she's cute like literally i mean obviously like 
you guys that are not on the Patreon cannot see, but that little bowl of go-to cola. I'm... I know. Uh, sombrerito. Little sombrerito. <laughs> I'm like, I just love that. Sombrerito. It's like, how fucking cute is that? But it, it is like such a heavy hitter. It's This was one where I felt like I really had to edit it down because I could talk about go-to cola for like a series on the oh, podcast. Sure. But I really do encourage you guys to like check it out. This is a really, really cool plant. Like we're literally planning to go buy some like next weekend. So love it. Yeah. Well, it's my turn. It's my turn, you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. No. Uh, so, but we're talking about scrying this week. And when we talk about scrying, I think the first thing that's going to come to a lot of people's minds is like a bit of sort of movie magic actually, but also these days, a bit of a controversial depiction. And I'm of course talking about sort of the scarf and shawl draped fortune teller lady gazing into her crystal ball, which yes, is a form of scrying. A uh, little miss Madame Trelawney. Yeah, really, we're gonna talk about Madam Professor Trelawney a little bit in this, a little bit too much even yeah. in this segment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, and it's like, I think if we're talking about pop culture depictions and the way it usually goes down in films, there's, there's also like always this moment where the fortune teller lady is doing like fake fortune telling. And then it's like part of an act, right? To make money. But then somehow the main characters always get the fortune teller to like get out the real magic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's very much a trope. Um, but also it, it always kind of highlights that there's a, at least a little bit of fraud involved. Um, yeah, I did like, we took Eric's parents to the pier yesterday and there was totally a girl set up with like a tarot reading like mm -hmm. tent. Eric was like, you should go get her to read your tarot and then just like call her out if she bullshits you. And I was like, I want to go back and do that because she's probably super chill and like just making money off of tourists. But like- right very much the vibe. I feel like psychics have that sort of reputation of like buyer beware. Well, and it's it's always kind of the joke too uh, with fortune tellers where it's like, you know, like they can see that you usually wear a wedding ring, but you're not wearing it. And then, you know, like they're like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing that you are struggling in your relationship or whatever. And it's like, you know, um, okay, Miss Marple, you figured it out. Right. Uh, but no, so, but but it's, it, it is, it's big Trelawney vibes. Um, but we're talking about actual scrying. Um, but before I dive in, there is kind of like the other related meme. It's not really a meme. It's more of a text post, but, you know, sue me, you guys. Like, no, I, 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 I love this one. This was such a good ad. Uh, but basically it goes that a young witch buys a crystal ball from a traveling fortune teller and the old woman... Uh, the old seer tells her, you have to make sure to cover the orb when you're not using it. And the young witch sort of nods knowingly and is like, of course, because of the spirits, right? And the old fortune teller says, uh, no, actually, if the sun hits this thing just right, it can start a fire. <laughs> so, um, but okay, but all jokes aside, though, scrying is one of the more loosely defined terms in the witchcraft lexicon, but basically, like, if we're really going to boil it down, okay, like, we're making some, some scrying bone broth, like, we're really boiling it down here. Um, 
It's any divination method which uses some external medium as a focus for a trance-like state in which one then interprets images either in the medium itself or in the mind's eye. And traditionally, this could be a crystal or glass sphere, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Um, a mirror, uh, specifically a black mirror, uh, a polished piece of metal or a bowl of water. Yeah, I'm like, uh, in The Lion King, it can be some water, a body of water. It can be a, absolutely a body of water. Um, <laughs> we did also briefly mention in the segment on necromancy that Egyptian necromancers would sometimes get a fresh bowl of corpse blood and mm. use, use that as a scrying medium. Um, Nothing better than a fresh bowl of corpse blood in the morning. Truly, truly the best part of waking up is, <laughs> is corpse blood in your in cup. In your cup. <laughs> um, but but you, can, you can use the general method behind scrying uh, staring into the flame of a candle or and you know kind of watching the shapes of the wax as it drips down and ditto with incense um you know it's like if you're in a still room especially and you can watch the little clouds kind of coming up off your incense and making different little shapes and like configurations of shapes um and just kind of like moving around slowly and organically. And sort of speaking of incense, uh, I personally do love to watch and interpret uh, and even like play with the smoke um, that comes off my incense burner. Um, but I also think it's a good time to talk about one of the more controversial things about scrying and that is the use of drugs to kind of achieve that trance-like state. Um, and, you know, kind of like in, you know what, uh, the main characters are like going to divination class and they're talking about how like the sweet smell of incense is making them like sleepy and distracted. Like that's always the thing in those famous books that no one knows who wrote them. Mm, they um, just showed up one day in the 90s. They just showed up one day in the 90s. Um, but, I, but actually, you know, that kind of sleepy, dreamy, relaxed vibe is something that really gets me into the right headspace. Um, and, you know, it's like, even when doing tarot, I like to burn, I have this incense, it's called fire, like fire is the, the blend name. Of course, because I'm a little fire baby, mm. but it's, but, but it is, but it is, it's like sweet cinnamon and I think like a little bit of myrrh or something mm. kind of musky like that, but it's like sweet yeah. cinnamon and musk. And I'm like, I just, I love it. And it's yeah. like, I love it. it. I have one that's, um, it's called like fairy garden and mm. it's got like, I think it's like a patchouli and like a sweet flower. So it's kind of that like floral earthy. So I love that apparently we both use very uh, predictable incense blends in our uh, practice. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but I, but I do love the smell and the sweeter smell because I also will just straight up burn like sage incense sticks, like sage scented incense sticks. Yeah. Um, and I love those also. You know, the ones that you get, oh my God. Well, Shannon, you will absolutely know what I'm talking about, but you know, the ones that you get at the head shop that are just like the little pieces of wood that are like 
Palo Santo almost, but it's like cedar or like pinion pine. Like, and it's yeah. just, a, just a chunk of wood. I love those or also the ones from the head shop that are the matches that are incense that you just yeah, like yeah, yeah. and the match itself is the incense. Oh my God. Head shops, y'all. Head shops, head shops. Incense. Uh, <laughs> like every, every witch should go to the head shop uh, at our recommendation and go yeah. buy some, go buy some incense and you can all, and like they have witch shit at every head shop, like little yeah. stash boxes with pentagrams. You could put your tarot deck in there. Like they know. Yeah. The overlap is strong. The overlap is strong. <laughs> but no, I, but I was just saying, it's like that sweet kind of spell does kind of get me like a little sleepy, a little dreamy. And like that is kind of where yeah. those vibrations are, where it's like you can really kind of start free associating yeah. and really kind of start like just zoning out on, on patterns and images. Um, yeah, you kind of have to like turn off the like prefrontal cortex a little bit. Yeah, and like this is where drugs come in because this almost kind of trans-like state seems to be important to the act itself. But the controversy, of course, is that some witches in the woo sphere, you know, and it's really it's a lot of like love and light people. And you know, I do not like the love and light people, but they basically say that you're polluting the whole experience, you're polluting your body, blah blah blah, when you're using drugs in this way. Eh. I say, I say two thumbs down, four thumbs down even. Um, but I, I mean, I smoke, I'm literally always a little bit stoned. I'm a little bit stoned right now. Um, and then it's like at nighttime, I take my little valerian route and, you know, like turn my lights down and, you know, it's like, a, it's drugs. It's, it's, it's drug vibes. Um, yeah, it's such a weird like white wellness witch thing. That's just yeah. like, no, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Take your fucking kale smoothie somewhere else. We're doing I, drugs and scrying over here. We're doing drugs, we're scrying. And I think, you know, it's like, you're, you're gonna talk a little bit about this when you talk about the Oracle at Delphi as yeah. well. I mean, it's like people have been using substances to enter and aid in trans states for yeah. millennia. It's like um, our brains have receptors for plants that fuck us up. Like that's not an accident. It's not. And I personally, I find it easier to work in these areas of the craft when I'm in that more relaxed state. So, yeah. so fucking sue me for recommending doing drugs over being against it. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, do some drugs, people. But okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for all of you purists out there, the basic idea, other than getting really fucking high, no, uh, is that when you're, you're kind of setting up your order of operations, you're going to do whatever prep that you feel is necessary. Again, scrying is just so loosely defined. Um, and it really depends on like your personal kind of flavor of witchcraft, like the practices that you follow. But I would say like a smoke cleanse or kind of setting up your, your energetic boundary is a must, you know? Yeah. It's like, you, 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 don't, you don't just want to like open a portal. Practice safe spells, y'all. Practice, practice safe spells, y'all. You don't just want to open a portal here. Uh, and I feel like, especially if you're using like a little scrying mirror, like that's exactly what you're doing. Um, 
And you might want to do even a little mood lighting. I personally find, and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit when I do my show and tell, but like, I like to also use like a mirrored surface and like look at the reflections of candles. Like, especially if it's not like a fully reflective surface, like something that's going to create kind of like a hazy reflection and just like, mm. you know, kind of the flickering of the candle. And it, like, that's very that's it's good stimulus for me to do scrying uh scrying work as well um but so when you're settled in you're beginning your gazing session you do kind of want to say out loud what you're seeing and then also the thoughts that are coming into your mind kind of creating this like chain of pre-association and this also helps bring about and keep that trance like state if you're kind of like commentating mm -hmm. even just to yourself like what you're seeing and sort of yeah. what comes to mind when you think about what you're seeing and it's it's this like free association yeah. state and for people that do like um free writing too yeah. I think yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a good one if you're a writer because I know some people that do psychic work really like that I get distracted oh, yeah. but I know some people like doing that and, and absolutely well I would even just recommend having like a pen and a piece of paper out because sometimes things are going to come to you that you're, want, you're going to want to write down. Yeah. Whenever I see um, people do automatic writing though, I'm just like in awe. Cause yeah, I'm like, I, I would get so distracted and be like, Oh my God, my handwriting's awful. Like that's such a Virgo thing. Oh my God. That's such a Virgo thing to say because a lot of times it's like that the writing on the automatic writing is like literally psycho handwriting. So that's me, me as a, that's, that's me as a Virgo writing also passing judgment on the, uh, <laughs> on the handwriting. Um, but no, so you're settled in. You're beginning your gazing session you're saying your stuff out loud and then of course if you have had a particularly good session always good to write down your findings um i think though writing saying it out loud is good for recall writing it down i mean it's like i mean just for instance like i work at a restaurant you know and it's like i can take an order from an eight top no problem and remember it by the time i get back to the computer no problem but I write it down every time because like, even if it's just like chicken scratch writing that I can't read, just the act of writing it down, like literally helps you recall it later on. Yep. Um, and that's literally why you do that. Like you're not at the screen, like looking at your list, trying to remember what everyone ordered because you remember, you know, but it's like you write yeah. it down and that's why you remember but- There's science uh, here. It's why anytime I'm like taking classes, like when I was in college or in herbal school, I write my notes by hand. Mm -hmm. I don't type them because it's like the physical act of doing it. And, but I think speaking of like a, a, a very Virgo direction to take this, uh, I do kind of want to talk about materials here. Uh, and I think we should be talking about materials. And I think a black mirror is going to be your top choice uh, or, or metal, you know, uh, like my, my little tray that I actually use that I'm not going to do for show and tell is actually just kind of like a shiny copper colored tray. Yeah, it's I, really pretty. And when I burn like candles on it, like, I, you know, I love the reflection of that. Um, but a black mirror absolute top choice it's the traditional choice I mean like a black obsidian hand mirror um and there's so many good pre-made black obsidian hand mirrors that are purpose-built for scrying that are reasonably priced so it's like we can we can kind of just like recommend name brand here like because you could go you could spend literally 20 bucks and get 
like a nice obsidian hand mirror. So yeah. like you can absolutely get name brand here. Um, but I did also see a very nice YouTube video and I'm gonna do like a shout out and I hope I'm saying this right, uh, but it's Fums Musings. Uh, is the name of the YouTube channel and it's a witch and she showed how to use like black acrylic paint and just a picture frame to make a, a really easy black mirror. Oh that's great. Um, and she, yeah, she just she said she got the picture frame at the charity shop. Uh, she's British she calls it the charity shop um, which I, I thought was cute um, but it was it was cute she put little skulls and black roses on it just to kind of decorate it at the end and then everything was painted the same shade of black so uh yeah it was cute but i could also totally see like thrifting up just like a, a cute and or even going to like an antique mall and getting like a frame that's a cool shape and just doing the same process where you end up with just like a nice square black mirror oh see um, i'm like immediately my brain and this is like so my aesthetic was like I love the idea of getting like one of the gold gilded frame mirrors and just oh, black in the center, like Black oh. it, blackening the center. Yeah, because she beautiful the, the way that she did it, you absolutely you absolutely could do that. I love um, that. And so yeah, it's like make your own black mirror. Um and but I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm team mirrors. I'm team mirrors for a couple yeah. of reasons. So right off the bat, as an avid fan of Greek mythology. And like a follower of you know like Greek-ish, a, 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 a Greek-ish, Celtic-ish, witchcraft tradition uh, um, that is very much uh, of of my own cooking. Um, is that they do have this kind of reverence, fear, and even sacredness around mirrors. They show yeah. up in all of you know. It's like narcissism of his reflection. Um, you know, Perseus is you know, using the reflection to defeat Medusa. Um, and, you know, it's, there's, there's all these great things, but, but it's like reflections and mirrors are like you know, all spooky to them and kind of, you know, sacred, but it's like the traditional way to do scrying is in a mirror because of, because of their strong and ancient associations yeah. with magic. I'm sorry. I mean, it's also one of the main ways to get in and out of the matrix. So, you know. Right. Science. Um, <laughs> but actually, kind of what I wanted to say, though, was that we, I mean, you know, it's like, I love the aesthetic of crystal ball. I'm not going to lie, but kind of like crystal ball culture is very heavily tied up with this, like, Victorian parlor seance culture. Yeah. And even, like, fortune telling as a vaudeville act. Um, so I would say go for the mirror. I think it, it represents a more pure form. Yeah, and I think in my experience, anytime I've tried to do crystal ball gazing, I have a harder time doing, like seeing shapes and like determining stuff in it. And like, maybe it works for some people, but right. personally, I've really struggled whenever I've tried to use a crystal ball for scrying. Yeah, I, 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 again, it's like, I, you know, I like the, I like the little mirrors, um, yeah. and not even to go all, like, mini QWP here, but the whole, like, vaudevillian fortune teller trope is one of those things that kind of makes, like, all witches look a little dumb, uh, and, like, the whole headscarf, hoop earrings, like, undefined Eastern European accent, it's giving us cultural appropriation, 
it's maybe even a racism yeah like getting into that like g word like uh -huh. appropriating the romani like let's yeah. not keep that up guys we're not fucking anthropology we know better yeah bohemian is not an aesthetic bohemian it is, a place. is not an aesthetic it's a place um and yeah uh with g word yeah we're not doing yeah, that we're not um, doing that but just to kind of move on to something a little nicer though, I did also want to take a little moment here to talk about scrying's cousin and actually something that does come up a lot when you're researching scrying, like I had to do this week, um, which is oniromancy, which is basically divination through dream interpretation, which, you know, does, you know, the, um, the oneroi are the, the kind of dream deities the personified dream deities in ancient Greek mythology. Um, so and you, this you covered them, right? We talked about, I think it was Morpheus. It was when we talked about Morpheus. I'm just like, I'll link one that episode where we talked mm -hmm. more about them too for anyone that wants to like get speaking a little of, Speaking I mean, if you, if you wanted to get into scrying, I think Morpheus is like a good sort of go-to deity yeah. um i also think like nyx here i think those like black mirrors have very big nyx energy yeah. and also that kind of like primordial void you know like that like staring into the black mirror and just like kind of getting the download from the universe um like really does have like heavy nyx vibes but but i was saying like um oniromancy is the word and i do think it's just a cool word too for uh divination by interpreting the symbols you see in your dreams which is just like a really truly ancient thing and something I, I mean it's like I I've never had a dream that I could accurately just like pinpoint that it was a prophetic dream but I always feel so deeply that my dreams have symbolic meaning and I am always like famously I'm always texting Shannon what my dreams are yeah. I, I mean um, and I, I, it's almost like a dream journal in a way, because it's like, that's how I write it down when I like wake up. I'm like, oh, I should text Shannon about this crazy dream just for posterity's sake. Yeah. And, um, that way I have them all in one place too. I but love it's, it. <laughs> uh, but, but you, I mean, you can attest, like I have these weird intense dreams with like all this crazy symbolism. And then I do, I, I get up the next day and then I'm like, what? does it mean and I even like look up the symbols or what what other people's I mean because that's the thing it's like your interpretation should absolutely like your intuition even should absolutely be what's guiding you in, in these situations but I do think there's there's kind of that moment where you also are like well what the fuck does this even mean because yeah. I'm drawing like I'm drawing a blank but this was like the most powerful part of my dream and I'm like yeah like your parrot dream I was like what the fuck parrot okay yeah yeah and okay. I'm like I don't I don't know it's like maybe because I'm going to Mexico at, instead of going to Rio and because it was like at first I was going to Tokyo and then I was going to go to Rio and then now I'm going to Mexico and I, I guess I'm just thinking about the jungle a lot lately maybe I just I love that these are the this is where like often people's dreams are not very interesting but I do have to say Nick's dreams are interesting to hear about <laughs> um but I but but we're not we're not going to bore you with that but I do think it's like it's it's scry it's scrying's cousin I yeah. also think when we talked about when we talked about dream magic, I was like absolutely like try to do some divination, like yeah. some scrying, some even like trying to read tarot like in your dreams. If you're able to like hold down a lucid dream like that, there's I don't know. There's uh, all of the all of the imagery of your subconscious is there, 
And that's really so interesting. And like, yeah. if we're talking about doing this like free association, which is so important to doing things like scrying, it's like dreaming really is the time when you can most freely associate. Yeah, um, like with stuff that you're not even aware you've been seeing or thinking about. Right, I think right, that's right. the great thing too. It's like, yeah, your conscious brain is not always aware of the patterns that you see. And like that's science thinks that's one of the reasons we dream is to like make sense of patterns and things. And it's like, well, as witches, isn't divination a big part of that is like identifying patterns makes sense. It makes a logical sense. And it does. And, uh, you know, so it's like, fuck, fuck around with dreams and scrying, like fully recommend. Yeah. Uh, so, fuck around, so, find out. Fuck around, find out. Um, but okay. so. I have a little show and tell for you guys, which is actually, I was so excited to get to do this segment because I actually have some stuff for it that I, that I use in my altar. Like we're not, um, this isn't theory. This is, this is a practical. So um, I have, I, I brought with me, um, this is so dumb, but it's like this little candle lid, right? That came with like a candle and kind of see, but it's got this like smooth metallic little surface yeah. on the inside. And so what I like to do is I like, I like to put it on sort of on my altar. And it's also got this like little pattern on the back, which is, Very pretty. is, is, is why I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm like a little, I'm a crow. Like I love my little shiny thing. You're a little magpie. I love it. Um, but also this is so nice. Cause when you like light a candle next to it, you get this really cool kind of like hazy flickery little reflection in there that. and so I do love that and then also I have a, one of my most iconic fashion pieces the scrying necklace mm -hmm. which um all of you on patreon are really getting like a good look at this but um I like it because it it's a it's a double curved lens which is basically a magnifying glass but you know, it's kind of like you look through it though, and everything is like very distorted and kind of you know weird looking. Um, very cool to look at a candle with if you're just like chilling. Um, yeah. But then also the cool thing about having this on a necklace, um, other than the fact that you could just wear it and it looks absolutely gorge with a black turtleneck sweater. Um, is that you can also use this pendulum. Love. Um, and like pendulum swinging uh, is definitely considered like another form of, or like a cousin of even scrying. So, yeah. you know, it's like you can, you know, do, do a little pendulum. I, and I just, I, lo I love this little guy. And this is something I get out all the time. And like, I, def I definitely wear this every time I wear my black turtleneck sweater. Yeah. I need to find mine. I have, I have a necklace that has, um, it's it's very similar to that. It's got like uh like the monocle on it, but mine has an eye carved into it. Oh which yeah. Which is like, I might as well just wear a billboard that says, "Hi, I'm a witch." When I go no, that, out wearing and it, the, but and the, like literally, like I always wear this in what I call I call it my witch outfit. Like yeah, you know. Um. So that's okay. And one last thing here, I do think it was really funny when I was doing the research for scrying that the top story that comes up when you're trying to do research about scrying is the story of Joseph Smith. Oh my God, the Mormons. <laughs> the Mormons, um, which, so if you don't know, basically the claim that Joseph Smith made 
was that um, he was scrying on a special golden tablet that he kept in a hat. That no one else could see. That no one else could see, that's right. And um, was dictated through this method an entirely new book of the Bible, um, which is the Book of Mormon. Um, and it's it, it's really that kind of like, like he saw a fortune teller at, at a state fair kind of a situation um, and was like, oh yeah, that's easy. Like that's, I'm gonna make, I'm about to make some money. And I mean, I guess eventually he did convince a lot of people to move to Utah and- And now there's a really great musical about it. I know there's a really great musical about it, but that is the true story the true story of the founding of Mormonism in a nutshell, but also like the top result on the entire American internet for uh, scry scrying stories is Joseph Smith um, dictating the Book of Mormon from inside of a hat. So I, that's, I, I, I thought I'd leave you guys kind of on that note with that little, little fun fact. I love that for you. <laughs> well, since we're talking about scrying and divination today, like we had to cover the Oracle at Delphi, right? So I know we've briefly touched on this before and it might've been like very early on. So I'm going to have to look through our notes, but I know we've briefly talked about the Oracle of Delphi, but we wanted to take the time to like dive in a bit deeper, right? So the Oracle at Delphi was a crucial priestess and soothsayer in Greece who divined from the Temple of Apollo at the ancient sanctuary of Delphi on Mount Parnassus. The oracle was also known as Pythia, and it was a real woman who was carefully selected by the priestesses of the sanctuary. And when, when, and when one Pythia died, another one was chosen to take her place, like kind of like a magical priestess divinatory pope. So the, yeah. <laughs> um, the Pythia would get super high on like plants, maybe toxic fumes from the earth and enter this like trance state where she'd channel the god Apollo to tell the future. So Delphi was the naval center of the world for the Greeks. Like this was a very important place. It's located about a hundred miles northeast of Athens. And between 1700 and 1400 BCE, the sanctuary became a place of worship to honor Gaia. Initially, this was to honor Gaia. So like as a primordial goddess, as a recap, Gaia was the mother earth who birthed all of the gods, right? So the Greek story says that it was actually Gaia who first inhabited Delphi and her son Pitho, a dragon or a serpent, but a dragon. Uh, is, this, is this, is this, um, I, I hate to be just like an etymology nerd Python? right now. Python? Yeah. Okay, great. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So Gaia appointed Daphnis, though, at the site as her prophetess, and she was then the very first oracle of Delphi. And she breathed in what was referred to in the story as the fumes of prophecy. Others say they were actually methane. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> and they gave her seeing powers, right? And then as the story progresses, eventually Apollo kills Gaia and Pitho, Pytho, um, and Apollo becomes the indwelling god of the sanctuary. And from about 1200 BCE on, the priestesses channeled Apollo for the prophecies. So the prestige and the power of the oracle peaked during like the 6th century and the 4th century BCE. And this was like a big deal. Like 
kings, queens, military generals, soldiers from all across the continent would come to visit her, to like ask her for very important <laughs> advice. Like very early on, one of the oracles would actually only divine once a year on Apollo's birthday. But as the oracle became more and more important and the popularity spread, there could also be up to like three priestesses that are operating as the Oracle of Delphi, kind of like sharing the job and rotating across most days for nine months out of the year. And that's because the Greeks believed that Apollo left the Oracle, he left Delphi in the winter to spend the season in the land of Hyperboreans, which is a warm, mythological, magical fucking land, not winter in Greece. And of course, without their god, the Oracle's couldn't divine the future, and they took a winter break until Apollo returned in the spring. And anyone could see the Pythia for a price, right? Like usually it was like an animal sacrifice or a votive offering, but wealthy people, of course, heads of state, very important people would pay a lot of money for preferential treatment. Like some things never change. But because of that, like, the the oracle was the voice of gods but they also like the oracles at delphi really had some pretty important impacts historically including on things like military campaigns like these are some big deal history points so like when athens and sparta received word that darius of persia was going to attempt to conquer greece the oracle prophesied doom for the athenians and said now your statues are standing and pouring sweat they shiver with dread. The black blood drips from the highest rooftops. They have seen the necessity of evil. Get out, get out of my sanctum and drown your spirits in woe. Uh, Alexander the Great wanted to know if he would conquer the world. The priestess tried to rebuff him and was basically like, ask again later, magic eight ball response. Uh, and Alexander was super furious and like dragged her out by her hair. And she screamed and was like, you're invincible, my son. And he was satisfied and reportedly said, now I have my answer. And around 440 BCE, the Oracle Delphi uttered one of the most famous statements. And she said, there was no one wiser than Socrates, which, I mean, he's a pretty wise dude. And she inspired Lycurgus, the 8th century BCE lawmaker of Sparta, to draft the constitution. Uh, and like her just also introduced cumbersome coins made of iron to discourage greed because the Oracle said love of money and nothing else will ruin Sparta. So thanks to the Oracle of Delphi though, that sanctuary uh, became really like important, right? It was like steeped in power and fame and wealth. So at that point, like Delphi had become sort of like a separate, it had become a separate entity from the state of Greece. So of course, a bunch of people were trying to gain control of Delphi. But then finally, in 191 BCE, the Romans took Delphi and held it for nearly 600 years. But sadly, in 392 CE, the Roman Emperor Theodosius banned all pagan worship across the empire, and the Romans shut down and destroyed the sanctuary. And in her final words as the Delphic Oracle, the Pythia uttered, all is ended. So. I like just got chills talking. Oh my about god, that. no shit! I'm like iconic, right? So, what were those famous fumes though behind, but like beneath the oracle? There's like a lot of myth around this. So, and there are a lot of conflicting stories about the Pythia. Some people say like 
she was totally manic and there are plenty of people who thinks that those are like she would come in right and she would like be all on a sweat and like flailing about but more and more recently especially from some like women historians uh they're talk there's a lot of consensus that these are probably pretty exaggerated like overblown stories of like frantic women um but socrates also oh, wait a, a hysterical woman i know right i mean their wombs just wanted to wander so socrates though did say at one point the special gift of heaven prophecy is a madness and the prophetess at delphi and the priestess at, at dodona when out of their senses have conferred great benefits on hellas but when in their senses few or none so according to various sources like the oracle may have used special like narcotics things like oleander intoxicating spring water or the gases that rose from fissures in the ground beneath the sanctuary um so once fully immersed in this like state of divine ecstasy or mantia the priestesses would begin channeling apollo and like that's when the prophecies would come forward and a lot of times they would also do like really complicated rituals to get ready like some of them would feast or like fast for an entire week before doing their like fortune telling essentially like because it's really for an audience a lot of the time which also sounds so stressful um but if anyone has seen doctor who there's the episode in the david tennant era where they go back to pompeii and like the priestesses in that episode have big oracle adelphi mm -hmm. vibes so because they're even like getting high off the mountain essentially but uh let's get back to these fumes right so the temple of apollo at delphi sat over a point where actually two fissures in the earth crossed over each other and they've done some analyses over there um, of like the rocks and things and they found the presence of ethylene ethane and methane and apparently ethylene is a very sweet smelling gas um, and the gases would flow to the surface and they could definitely result in some like delirium and ecstasy like they could fuck you up and plutarch the very famous greek roman biographer actually served as a priest at delphi for like the last 30 years leading up to his death and he reported that the oracle at Delphi usually seemed as though she had run a race or danced an ecstatic dance. And according to him, she sometimes flung herself around and like raved in a delirious state. And he also said he occasionally witnessed a sweet smell emanating from the oracular chamber that he believed originated from geological processes in the ground. And remember, ethylene is like a sweet smelling like fume. But again, with all of this in mind, the oracles at Delphi, like, legitimately changed history, right? Who knows what Alexander the Great would have done if he hadn't received that sort of, like, support from them. Um, and again, it's like, I just don't think the use of substances to enter a trance state, in my very not-so-humble opinion, I don't think it changes the veracity of the prophecies. Like, there is like we talked about there's this weird like anti-drug or substance of any kind western slant and the love and light woo circles and they really also like shame people for like using substances to do their magic and like number one we're not about that we don't like to shame people for their practices but like it's just again four thumbs down i think like it's bullshit. do what you like be safe, but don't let anyone tell you that the visions you have on mushrooms are any less magical than those that you have sober or if you're fucked up on being on a like 
30 day juice cleanse. Like you're telling me that's not drugs. Come on, love and light witches. So my main source for today though, is this really great website called historical or historic mysteries.com. And I cannot recommend enough that you guys go like check out that website because there is some fun shit on there. Like you could rabbit hole on that for a long time. And, and you should. Yeah, um, it's fun. And speaking of rabbit holes, you guys know that we have a whole Wands and Fronds rabbit hole that you could go down. Um, you could absolutely follow us on Instagram at Wands and Fronds Pod. Um, we also have a Facebook group going now, which I believe is um, Wands and Fronds Pod. It's Wands and Fronds Podcast, but just oh. Google that on Facebook. I, I, I love that we we went, we gave we went with the full name. We went with I know, full name. I know. Um, we really wanted to throw you guys off. <laughs> um, and then you guys, if you really want to go down the Wands and Fronts rabbit hole with us, you could join the Patreon where you can yeah. see our, our items from show and tell and our cute outfits and also lots and lots of other goodies, including tarot readings from me, um, grimoire pages from Shannon. Shannon also has done some really cool workshops with people. Um, and yeah, just lots of cool things for you guys. So head on over to patreon.com slash pod to check that out. It also helps us, you know, do this every week. So yep. lots of fun. And we have a good time over on Patreon, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, so we got some cool episodes coming up that, uh, I'm a little hint, a little hint is that it does have a bit to do with what uh, the theme of the episode was today. Yeah, we were going to have a QWP that we had to cut because it's an entire episode now. It's an entire episode. So um, you, know, you guys can look forward to stuff like that. Um, and, but also, I mean, if you don't have the time or the money, you could always like, review, subscribe. Yep. So it's, it's, yeah. that's pretty easy it's fr and free. So. And free, and it makes us feel so good. Uh, written reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes are a very big deal, but recently Spotify launched ratings, so you can give us five stars on Spotify. You can give us stars, which we're desperate, desperate, desperate to receive. Yeah. because Since I apparently will, no one's giving us rubies, we will get stars. I, because I will never, uh, you know, it's like I never will live down the the pure natural high of uh, finding out that we've charted on iTunes some in some random country. So yeah. Peace uh, out Romania. We love out, you. Uh, peace out Romania. Um, throwback to shout Norway. out to Norway. Um, we're Wouldn't it be Europe. cool if American witches got on this shit though? Because like our European friends are kicking ass for us. Yeah, so. uh, yeah they love it. But do you love it? Show us that you love it. Um, okay, you guys. So it's time for the tarot scope. And I can show and, the card when you're ready. And, and yeah, show, yeah, show the card. Show the card, please. Uh, Gemini. It's Gemini, and it's uh, so we have this uh, cute uh, deck of deck of uh, zodiac cats, which we are now going to be using to pick the the sign for the tarot scope, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And, yeah. and you. And you said you got an extra one and you're going to send it to me, right? Yeah, so I got two sets, so we'll each have one. We're both going to have one. So this is fun. This is a fun new thing. But uh, this week we got Gemini. And actually, I thought about a specific Gemini when I was shuffling my cards today for the tarot scope. And actually, I was thinking about my mom. Um, I love my mom, you know, and she's 
kind of been going through it, but she's actually on vacation right now, which is really quite, quite funny because it was the Four of Swords. Oh. And like literally sometimes the Four of Swords can represent vacation, but for all you other Geminis out there that are not my mom, my mom is literally on a beach in Jamaica right now. But the kind of the idea is that um, if you've been going through a hard time, like now is the time to rest put your feet up, just rest, you know, like that's what's important when you've had that kind of bad time. Um, and like that's, and you, and you should feel okay taking the time to like focus on that too, you know, like yeah. you should, like, you know, cause there's this kind of guilt, there's this guilt that people feel around just, I mean, I, you know, like you're, you're a Virgo, I'm a Virgo rising. I think we both know it's like, there's this guilt around like taking too much, too much time yeah. uh, to, to just relax. And then you're not even really relaxing when you're supposed to be relaxing. Yeah, so it's like hustle culture. Ugh. So if you're gonna take the time to relax, you should absolutely like lean into it and like actually fucking relax. So it's like, yeah, I think it's funny that my mom is like literally just like in Jamaica right now, like smoking weed on a beach probably. Um, and I love that for her. And I, I hope you know, for you other Geminis out there that you have an opportunity, even if you, you cannot uh, go to Jamaica, um, you know, put on, you know, just like watch, watch a good movie. Watch, take yeah, a take, bath. Take the time to take uh, an actual bath, you know, like sit down, put on lotion. Take you know, a three hour nap. To put on, put on some fucking lavender lotion and take you a nap. Lavender is the Gemini associated flower that's on this card. I love uh, that you said that. No, I mean, of course, of course. But, um, and it's one, it's one eleven here now. So I'm actually, I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to cut it off. Heck yeah. I think that's the perfect time to end this episode. And so, you know, to all you go to Cola, Elephant, Ass, Oracle at Delphi Ass, which is... To all of you Oracle future fortune telling bitches, blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. It is too early for her to be acting like such a fuckhead.